If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. Welcome listeners to another episode of The Extra Inch. My name is Windy and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello, have you heard the good news? Go on, what's the good news? Tottenham are great again. Yes, good start Bardi, I love it. And our tactics guy Nathan A. Clark. Hello Nathan. Oi oi. Bardi, it's been a while. It has been a while. Where have you been hiding? I've been busy and you've been kind of scheduling podcasts at the moment so I'm the most busy. I think you've got access to my calendar and you're purposely trying to force me out so I, I feel like a guest today, not a sidekick. That I think you sh- you don't like my mates, you've been avoiding them, that's a problem. <laughs> Maybe, I like you but not your mates, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I hadn't even, I haven't noticed that pattern but oh my god that's actually true. <laughs> no. Body's so insecure. Sometimes when you have um, good people in who need time to talk and stuff, you know, sometimes it doesn't work with four people. And from what I've heard, John is great and Tiago was good. So sometimes we get the guest on, let the guest speak. So I, it, it didn't need my input that day. Are you throwing shade, shade at Nico there? <laughs> no, no, sorry. I forgot Nico. So he was great also. Also, Nathan's friends have done us proud for sure. They've all been, they've all been excellent. Um, guys, there's so much to talk about. Before we get going, uh, I just need to mention our sponsors, One Football. It's a football app. It's available on the App Store and Google Play. Uh, we're going to mention one of their articles in just a moment. We're going to talk in depth in this one about the, the win against Chelsea. Uh, 3-1. Or 4-1 on expected goals. Or the real score. 7-1 on uh, my, my preferred model, which is Alan Shearer's head. Uh, he said it could have been 6 or 7. <laughs> and, I, and I enjoyed that statement very much. Bardi, you were there. How was it? Um, I was on the fighting cock yesterday and I, I, I spoke about it emotionally being one of the, one of my favourite ever games watching Tottenham. Because there's been moments against big teams where perhaps we've gone behind early or we've um, dominated the game but haven't really put the scoreline in that it, that it deserved. And I thought on, on Saturday, I thought from the first moment we were incredible, our intensity, the way we played. And even the moments where Chelsea had possession and they looked to come at us, they, they had no tool in which to breach us. And it was just literally a, a question of waiting for us to get the ball back and then damaging them. It was an unbelievable performance. And part of me wishes... 
that it had been six or seven, but then part of me is kind of glad that it wasn't because if it had had have been, it would have just become one of those freak results. Whereas three one gives it that kind of it makes it a sensible scoreline, and I think that's exactly what it was. It was a sensible, beautiful performance, and it was fantastic. And you can hear I'm still I'm still buzzing from it. And how about you, Nate? How did you find it? General thoughts? Yeah, just just absolutely brilliant. Um... Obviously, our our record against Chelsea over the um you know the last decade hasn't been great. So to get one over the new manager, um yeah, a brilliant brilliant start to to his tenure. I think we need to speak about most of the players because there was there's almost something interesting to say about each and every one. But let's start with Musa Sissoko because on the One Football app they've got an article from uh where they where they've spoken to Pochettino uh, or, or or used some of his quotes, which I found fascinating. Um, where he's talking about perceptions in the media of players and he said we need to fight with perceptions of the media of fans it was easy to blame him I'm happy with him he has improved a lot from since he signed here after he understands what we want from him and expect from him he starts to change and has become a different player I found that interesting that uh, Pushing is kind of recognising that because previously it's felt like he has defended Sissoko when actually he was almost indefensible his performances were indefensible and now he seems to be coming at it from a different angle which is Sissoko's got better and he's now excelling which is exactly how I feel things have, the way things have gone um he's very much playing a new position now Nathan we have seen him play sort of in a midfield three um before but he's actually looking like a midfielder when he does it now so I guess you could say that's new and this time, it felt very much like he was the, the second main part in that three-man midfield, where he's always been the extra before, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Eriksson playing as the most advanced of the three, and Sissoko being a bit more, um, a bit more meaty in midfield. Have you seen uh, the Avengers: Age of Ultron movie? <laughs> yes. No. You know, there's like an Eastern European guy that can run really, really fast. Yeah, and, and there's this amazing scene. Spoilers for the Age of Ultron. There's this amazing scene where, like, a, a train is uh, careering into people off the tracks. I think it's a train or a bus. And this this kid, this Russian kid, is um, moving people out of the way to rescue them. I kind of felt like that was Sissoko in this match. He was zipping all over the pitch, stopping problems happening before they happened, and it was it was glorious because actually that's what it, it suits his skill set. He's he's a really um, we well, you know he's naturally athletic and he, he's got all that going for him. He's got a great stride so he can eat up the ground. But he's also got really, as we've seen before, a defensively disciplined style to his game um, where if he's given a specific task to do and, and told exactly what it is required of him, he can do it to the letter and do it really effectively. And he did that in this particular match. I thought he was a, he was a big part of the win. Um, but having said that, there were some real standout performers. Who, who was the main man for you, Bardi? Um, I think you can't look any further than Delhi for me. I thought he was, I thought he was lovely in the way he played. He, um, he was disciplined without the ball. And then as soon as we got the ball, he looked dangerous and we, we really missed him. And he, he was a stand up player, but I would just like to say Sissoko is just. Pochettino's found this kind of Roman destroyer role for him, but it's it's so much more than just going around and kicking people and winning the ball back because he is really disciplined as well, and he was a major factor in kind of nullifying the Alonso and Hazard threat there. And in in conjunction with Aurier, he was he was great. And there was, I think there was one moment where he kind of thundered back and made a beautiful sliding tackle, and it was almost kind of like 
Dembele, like obviously Dembele wouldn't have gone to ground. He would have just kind of shoulder barged him off. But it was that kind of reliability and security when you know Sissoko is going after a play and it's going to be all right. It's Sissoko. And that was um, that was a very new place for me to be. That relationship with Aurier has always been there. They've always looked good when they've played together on the right, but it's it grew in this game and Aurier had a really strong match as well at right back. Um, they both used the ball incredibly sensibly. They didn't do anything outrageously good, but they did nothing bad, basically. They just used it well. Um, Aurier played a couple of nice, almost Trippier-esque passes up the line, round round the corner to an on-running player, which was good to see. He, he seems to have developed his game. But Nathan, who was the standout for you? Uh, yeah, again, Deli Ali is the obvious one, and I want to jump into the Sissoko loving because um, I've been in, I've not shied away from being critical of Sissoko um, over his time with Spurs, and you can even say I've been I've been too harsh um, and, and gone onto it on a personal level. But yeah, he was he was brilliant. Um, his first touch was good, and that that really changes his performance because it makes you know it, it makes his speed of action it make faster, it makes him cleaner. Um, uh, yeah, I, I I've got to give him the credit that he's earned. Delhi was great. I have to agree with you both. Um, he, the deafness of his of his touches and his passes is it shows the, such a growth in a player who was basically a finisher in his first season with us. He he was known for those out to win runs where he got on the end of an Ericsson delivery and, and met it. And he's always been great in the air. And he showed again in this match that he's he's great in the air. That that header was perfect. It made the keeper look like he was bad, but actually the speed at which it travelled meant it was very difficult to save. But Denny was given another specific task, and I think we need to focus on this, and that was a defensive job on Jorginho. Yeah. And we, we'd seem to learn from, from Everton in that respect. They did similar, and it worked. Jorginho was hopeless against us. He, they couldn't use him, essentially, and, and that ruined all of their attacking play. Bardi, was that something you expected to see from Spurs? I kind of it made sense after Everton had some success, but um, going back a few months, Poland had some good success by um, by pressing Jorginho in the in the Nations League. So um, as much as Jorginho has been hailed as this kind of wonder maker, and myself, I was on this hype train as well. He does have um, he does have weaknesses. He's not the he's not inflappable. You know, he's not shabby. He's not Pirlo when he's pressed. And you could see just by his stats, he's been doing over a hundred passes per game on normally for Chelsea this season. But then on Saturday, fifty passes. You know, we completely cut him out and just didn't allow Chelsea to to control possession and switch switch the play as well. And I think threw off their um, their tempo as a result because he he's the metronome in midfield. He's the one that, that controls how quickly they move the ball, um, and and that was completely lost through the the work that Delhi did so diligently throughout the game. I thought he was absolutely superb. I thought Ericsson also he was actually my man of the match. I thought Ericsson was amazing in this game. Um, he created seven chances, which is just insane. Um, his passing, his creativity, his vision, that chip ball through to Son, which he swept over the bar, was a, a lovely uh, piece of link-up play. I thought Ericsson was really great. But let's yeah. talk a bit about Son. Sorry, buddy, go on. Yeah, I, I would just like to say that I've now come to terms with the fact that Jorginho can go back to Brazil. I've <laughs> they, 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 they can have him back. He's not the he's not he's not Busquets. He's not Xavi. He's not. He's yeah. We don't want him anymore. He's a fraud. He can he can go back. He's he's not proper. <laughs> You're not Italian anymore. He's not Italian anymore. No. Let's talk a little about Son because 
this was Son back to his best, finally. We've been waiting so long to see it. Um, and it wasn't just that sensational goal, which we'll, we'll speak about, I'm sure, in, in a moment. But his performance started from minute one. He was so positive. He pushed, he almost single-handedly pushed Chelsea's defence back five or ten yards with his direct running and the, the way he took his first touch forward. Um, how, how, how important was Son's this victory, Nathan? Yeah, crucial, and and it was clear that 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 he was given a very specific task, and that he was played on the right side of the two forwards in the diamond. So Kane played towards the left, and Son played towards the right. Even though when he starts an attacking midfielder, he tends to start on the left, and that's because of the space behind Alonso. Son was clearly on duty to, in defence, come narrow and and give David Luiz a hard time. But then once Spurs won the ball, make that quick dart run outside behind Alonso. And uh, we saw that for his goal in that he went well out wide, took the ball around Jorginho, embarrassed David Luiz and slotted home. Um, it was a really lovely performance from Son, but part of the, the overall tactical plan. I, I mean, it was an amazing, amazing goal. Um, and, and the way he went past Jorginho was no surprise because when Son gets into full flight, he's electric. He's so quick. The downside was the defending from David Luiz, which was absolutely horrific. It was almost like he'd he'd set up a sign on a garden bench saying "Gone fishing." Uh, he was nowhere. He absolutely was nowhere. He should have been five yards closer, ten yards closer to Jorginho to stop Sun cutting in. And then the the leggy wafted in Sun's direction was so pointless and ridiculous. But having said that, staggering uh, control, touches, pace from Son, and the finish was beautiful. Um, buddy, what was the what was the uh, the atmosphere like in the stadium when that went in? What what were your feelings as Son got the ball in the halfway line? Um, I was kind of falling over the person in front of me as um, someone else was falling on the back of me. <laughs> and out of nowhere, there was beers. Beers just went flying. And I was just like, if you've really worked that hard to get beer in from the concourse into the stand, you know, <laughs> why are you throwing it now? But then, you know, everybody lost their stuff. There was There was people falling down the stairs. There was grown men hugging each other it was it was an unbelievable experience and um uh, Alex did this kind of impromptu podcast where he recorded us pre-game and then mid-game and you could you could tell you could hear the passion in our voices the passion and the beer you could hear it so where does this leave us now with our with our front four because they were so great in this game and we haven't seen them play together for a long long time and some people were saying we we were good because the front four were back. You know, Delhi Kane, Ericsson and Son were back together for the first time in, in God knows how long. Nathan, what do we do with this now? Do we just continue playing these until until Son has to go to the Asian Games? No, I don't think so. I think that we, we continue to chop and change it around. And sometimes we only play, um, you know, three recognised sort of forward slash attacking midfielder slash winger types and and maybe we'll use a back three here and there and um you know Lamella and Mora are not to be discounted for their contributions towards our attack and I think that with the competitions we have that we will we will chop and change or move things about. Um the front four definitely deserve um a lot of praise. Um, and also, you know, Ericsson was playing in a, a central midfield role, which is worth bearing in mind here. But um always I think with Pochettino Things come in a in a back to front order, and our our forwards, um, especially Ericsson, but our forwards perform when our midfielders perform, and it and it comes in that order. So they do deserve a lot of praise, absolutely. But I I, I think that their performances are a near constant, and it's more about how we set them up than it is about their own form and 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 mentality. And with that in mind, Bardi, what were your thoughts when you um, saw that Harry Winks was on the bench? 
Um, I was quite surprised, but Sissoko, you know, he showed some qualities against Crystal Palace and he deserved, he deserves his start. Dyer as well. We know Dyer is the kind of standard bearer for Pochettino. He does, he does love him and he does seem to forgive him when he's had weaker performances. So I'm, I'm in that place now where, um, if Sissoko starts, I'm not too, I'm not too concerned. I was happy to see that front four play again. Um, and that was where most of my attention was. I've got to the point, as I said, with Sissoko that I'm okay with him starting. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Let's talk a little about our back back line um, because there was, there was... There was a scare, um, and it'd be wrong not to touch on it. So, Juan Foyth made a challenge on Eden Hazard from the wrong side, um, and in my opinion, was very lucky not to give away a penalty. At first, it looked like it was a bit of a dive from Hazard, but when you see it again in slow-mo, he clearly catches him on the ankle, and it did look a, a penalty to me. What, Bardi, what was the feeling in the stadium around that one? You know, we all said the Hazard dived, but when I got home and watched Match of the Day, you could see it was probably a penalty. Um, Foyf, he was, he was great throughout the game, but he does have to, um, get rid of this impetuousness to kind of try and win every single tackle. Sometimes just, you know, slow the man down and not try and win, win the ball all the time. Nathan, where are you with Foyth right now? I, I absolutely adore him. I'm so glad that he's game game time. Um, he will continue to make mistakes like that for a while, and I'm, I hope he continues to get away with them because if he can continue to to grow and build match time and learn from those mistakes in a way that doesn't you know cost him favour with fans and manager, um, then you know he can develop into a, a really special special defender. Um, so I you know forgive him for that, especially when he gets away with it. I just think he's great. I think so many people are focused on his size and I, I think this is such an outdated way of looking or looking at a centre back and, 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 um, critiquing a centre back because he's shown, you know, he, he, he reads the game so well that the size is largely an irrelevance. He's a little smaller, uh, than, than some strikers, sure, but it doesn't matter. He can, he can hold his own and, and he, he intercepts. Um, he, he's reading of the game for a 20-year-old is exceptional. But the main thing is how good he is in the ball and the confidence that that gives us as a team. Um, players now know that if Foyth gets the ball at the back in a bit of space, they can start getting on the half turn and looking for those um, avenues through the midfield because he will find them. He's he's a great passer. Um, very, very competent overall in, in the 90 minutes. Uh, very impressed with Foyth once again. Sorry, Barney, you were going to jump yeah, in there. I do think there's um, he has been... Kind of fortunate on in his games he's played so far that um, against West Ham I can't remember who who did West Ham up front not Arnautovic whoever somebody little Palace played um, 
um, against Wolves, it was Jimenez, and he's terrible. I don't know if you watched the Huddersfield game. Um, Crystal Palace, I don't even think they played a recognised striker, and Chelsea barely played a striker either. So I think he's, <laughs> he's he's been quite unfortunate that he hasn't been up against a Harry Kane, someone who would use his um, size to um, to kind of intimidate him. So it has helped him so far, but it, he still needs that test of a proper proper forward going up against him. I remember even Sanchez. Um, struggled last season when he had a big man up against him like a Rondon or something like that so I think there are still tests to go for Foyth and I think his size might be an issue but hopefully he's still young he can still you know do some upper body work and you know the positives of Foyth how good he is in, in possession how good he's reading the game in my opinion far outweigh that potential negative of occasionally being bullied off the ball which as you say happened to Sanchez last year as well so I'm, I'm happy to, to to not worry about that and accept that if he gets bullied, he gets bullied. It's fine. He's he's a, he's a really great young player. Um, we did well to scout him so early and to get him for such a a small fee. Yeah, um, I mean he he could he could learn he could improve in that area. I don't think he's the complete player yet. He's had a great start, and but I still think he's behind Alderweireld, Vertonghen, and Sanchez in the in the starting lineups. But it's nice to get back to a position where we've got four competent centre backs that can be tri- can be trusted in um in ve- in whatever match and actually it's going to be fascinating to see whether Foyth will play in a three at any point because I think one thing we haven't seen too much from him so far is his dribbling out from the back but we know mm-hmm. from last season that he's very competent at dribbling with the ball as well so it'll be good to see him have that freedom to, to move the ball forward as well. Oh totally. Um, in that way. So it's, lots, it's only, lots to come from him. Yeah it's, it's, only, it's only a good thing having options at centre-back. And I suppose we ought to talk fullbacks because we're so often critical of our fullbacks in this podcast. And in this game, both players put in a really solid showing. Nathan, what did you make of uh, Davis and Aurier? The main criticism that Davies gets is that he doesn't get forward enough. And specifically in this game, I think the fullbacks were instructed to be fairly reserved with their positioning because Chelsea played their possession game so narrow. So we played our pressing game and our possession game really narrow as well and just overpowered them in the middle, left their fullbacks because Sarri doesn't like to play through his fullbacks and sort of didn't worry about them. So that sort of really suits Davies, who's... It's not that he's sort of shy of attacking or he's not even that he's not good in the final third. It's that he knows he doesn't have the athletic capacity to get back and forth. So he plays it a little bit safe. Or at least that's my interpretation of it. So that that those instructions to sort of only play the halfway fullback really suited him. Aurea, you wouldn't have thought that that would suit him. But, he, you know, he did a really good job. I, I still have my concerns over Aurea, but I can only praise him for this performance. And you're you're right on that sort of that trippier ball over the top thing that was which was big for us again, uh, getting in behind Alonso. And one thing I'd like to say is it's very much driving home my previous agenda against crossing. Uh, Davis didn't make a single cross in this match. And Aurier made four. So four crosses between our fullbacks, which, you know, when, when you have Rose and Trippier playing, it would be four times that. Um, so once again, crossing uh, being an inefficient <laughs> means to scoring <laughs> in the forefront of my mind. Spurs, in Alan Shearer's terms, win the game uh, 7-1 on uh, Alan Shearer XG. And we make four crosses between our fullbacks. So I think it's fairly conclusive that crossing is bad. <laughs> Bardi, any other further thoughts from you on this particular game? Um, no, no. I thought Larissa's kicking was was pretty good. He um, he did some nice passes at the back, but for me, as the game wore on, I got progressively more and more drunk. So my tactical <laughs> my, my tactical analysis after about sixty five minutes was nothing more than shouting abuse at uh, Kovacic and uh, Barkley for being turncoats and not having joined Spurs. 
Nice. nice. And Nathan, how confident are you that we're we're now on that famous Pochettino uh, winter winter form run? Yeah, it sort of seems that way. I think last season it was the same international break. We sort of went away, came back after that. Some of the players didn't go and then we really sort of clicked into gear. I'm hoping that because of the depth that we have this season, I know we didn't buy any players in the summer, but but Lamella and, and Lucas are, are, and you know also Foyth are, are offering us a depth we didn't have before and I'm hoping that we can stretch that form out a little longer because of the players we have available. We have a question from uh, Brian Daly, who's B-A-S Daly, D-A-L-Y, on Twitter. He says, does Sissoko playing in centre midfield alongside Dyer or Wanyama instead of Winks mean we can be more attacking with our forward options? Is this something you'd be okay with? Barney, how do you feel about Sissoko playing midfield long term for us? Um, yeah, I'm still not I'm still not sold. I think Winks is a better player, but I think right now Sissoko, he's, he's working for us. Um, I, I don't. I still have my doubts with Sissoko against a team that sits deep and where we control possession. I think a player of like Winks would be is better for us in the long term. I mean, I'm very happy to ride this Sissoko hype train, but I don't think it's. I don't think it's a long term thing. And how about you, Nathan? Are you are you wondering whether Sissoko's kind of perfect for those games where there's a specific tactical duty, but perhaps in games we'll we'll have more of the ball. Maybe Winks will be the man. I I th- I think that um, Sissoko is very much a, a three-man midfielder, um, but I think that's true generally for Spurs where we're at the moment in this sort of um, post-Dembele pre-replacement sort of situation where we we need to stay away from that four-two-three-one, and there are going to be games for Winks, and I think there are going to be games for Sissoko. I think that's what this week will show us: is there are, there are times for each of them. I was upset when uh, when Winks was on the bench. Um, but hey, it really works out with Sissoko and we do have, you know, a couple of big games coming up. So, um, yeah, there are games for Sissoko, there's games for Winks and there'll be games for both of them at the same time. And following on from that, we had an email um, from Rich, who is at Joyce underscore R underscore J. And actually, thank you, Rich, for your email. It's a really lovely email. Great to receive that. Um, and the, he went to a, a heck of a lot of depth. But we picked out one particular question, which was, are we getting to the point where Poch will choose an 11 dependent on the opposition? And are there specific players who will mainly play against certain types of opposition, particularly in midfield? Um, now, as Nathan says, man for all seasons, Dembele is less available and less able to play every week. Bardi, are you expecting Poch to change it up for the Arsenal game? Um, yeah, I, I think we'll see what he does um, for the Inter game. I'm not sure. I, I, I really don't know what is going to happen for Inter. I think I'm kind of hoping Inter do what they usually do and just come and crumble, come for the draw and crumble. But um, I think I think once again, Pochettino is just doing an amazing job by jumbling, shuffling his pack and getting the best out of the players that he's got. He's he's found a new way to um, to use Sissoko, who's a very physical player that never gets injured, and also kind of look after Wanyama and Winks, who I don't think are still quite ready to play the amount of game time that uh, someone like Sissoko can. And how about you, Nathan? I mean, the big one this time, we've mentioned Winks, but Lucas not starting was quite the shock because he's played most games this year. How Have you been impressed with how Poch is managing his squad and, and how do you think he came to that decision not to play Lucas? Well, yeah, I mean, Lucas is on the bench, Lamella's on the bench, Winks is on the bench, and also we're sort of slowly managing Vertonghen back to fitness. So um, I, I think we can still sort of theorise about a first eleven and who would be our first eleven if we had, you know, one sort of a final coming up or whatever. 
Um, but generally, we're looking at a, a squad game and um, a bunch of competitions to balance. So yeah, we're gonna uh, and we said as much already on this episode that we're gonna we're gonna mix it up depending on who's fit, who we're playing, um, who's in form, and so on. Awesome. Well, I've enjoyed this uh, dive into the Chelsea match. Let's let's have your further reading for this week, Nathan. Let's start with you. Ah, uh, I've got so much to choose from. I've got spares for you. Um, so there were two really good analyses of the Chelsea game. Uh, one by Between the Posts, which is um, eleven to again eleven um, site. Uh, I can't remember who was that I was by. Oh, JM. And there's also Football Scrutiny, who I think he's a coach and he does YouTube videos. So a pair of analyses of that game to check out. Nice. And how about you, buddy? Um, I'm actually reading something non-Italian related. I'm reading um, Dr. Socrates, Football Footballer, Philosopher and Legend uh, by Andrew Downey. It's got a, a foreword by Johan Cruyff, who's basically crying about the day Italy beat Brazil in 1982. So it's a, it's a great start to the book. But um, it's a really interesting book, a really well-written book about a really interesting player who, the more I read about him and watch him on YouTube, the more he reminds me of Delhi. And um, he has that same kind of style. He's tall, skinny, languid, a lot of flicks, very good with his back to goal and kind of an all-round great player without being like exceptionally fast or an exceptionally great at dribbling kind of thing. But it's a, it's a really good book. I highly recommend it. Such a hipster. <laughs> I just I just imagine you reading reading your football books with like a a shot of espresso in an Italian cafe, yeah. um, black and white, w- watching the world go by with your sunglasses on in winter. <laughs> of course, well sometimes you need sunglasses in winter. The sun is can get bright. Yeah, yeah, need them. Right, okay. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little shout out to to uh, Lennon Brannigan who is going to every single uh, Spurs youth match this season and writing the most thorough of reports. Um, he's doing amazing work following the youth team and our, our under-18s in particular have, are having an absolutely storming season. It's the best set of under-18s we've had in God knows how long. Um, they're a really exciting group and I'm enjoying following them through Lennon's reports. He's done an amazing job. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's uh, L-M-C-C-A-N-D. It's uh, Lennon McCandless, I think it's called. Lennon McCandless Brannigan. He's just incessant with his, his match reports. They're great. And I also want to say thank you to Daniel Story, who gave me a shout out on the uh, Totally Football Show. That was very, very sweet of him. He picked up on one of my tweets about Sissoko. Um, I tweeted on, um, after the Chelsea game, I tweeted that Sissoko was similar to Bale in the sense that he was going to be cut loose. You know, Pochettino tried to sell Sissoko in the transfer window. Redknapp had tried to sell Bale and then ultimately had a positional change which has led to him coming, his, his transfer finally coming to fruition and actually we have a, a, a useful squad member in Sissoko now. Um, if he goes on to be anything like Bale, of course, we'll be thrilled. It's not going to happen. He's 29. Um but at least we're getting some use out of our our thirty million pound signing, so that that's great. And that was very sweet of Daniel to mention me, uh, and I was I was very touched. So thanks. I for love him. I love you, Wendy. Your further reading is your own tweet, which was, <laughs> which was shouted out in, the, in in a bigger podcast. Nice, humble brags all the way. We're, we're we're all here to do your PR for you. That's it. Basically, I mean that's that's the way I like to see this podcast. I was going to call it the extra windy, but um, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to do that. <laughs> guys, it's been it's been lovely to, to be back as a threesome. Bardi, we've missed you. I've missed you guys as well. 
Um, but but we're we're back now, and uh, in fact, you're not going to be on the next podcast, are you, with with John McKenzie? But we'll 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 be back as a threesome very soon. Um, you can find Bardy on Twitter at BardyTFC, Nathan at Nathan A. Clark, and I'm at Windy Coys. You can email us at the extra inch at thefightingcock.co.uk or find us on Twitter at the extra inch. Um, do send your questions in. It's always nice to have uh, long long questions to, to think about and talk about in advance of our recordings. Um, otherwise, we'll see you soon. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. Oh, that was really interesting, mate. Yeah. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was, like... Wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. Like you were real different. Bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout season two, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.